Uh, on this day, all around the world, every Christian church will gather together and practice as one church, universal church, uh, the communion. It's such a beautiful symbol that every nation, tribe, all the people from different parts of the world. This is the Indonesian batik. It's a, it's a shirt that came from Indonesia, handmade. Uh, that the church doesn't look like this building in America. The, the church is not the building. It's the people all around the world. And today, we're saying we are one. It's a beautiful thought. And would you agree that in a perfect world, um, the church is the best model of unity amongst diversity. That the church of all places, ideally, in a perfect world, should be the pace where no one ever has conflict, that there is harmony, there is this bearing with one another, that there is this absolute unity between black, white, yellow, purple, green people, all people. And so, you know, our God never says, I only want the church to look like white people or yellow people or black people. God never says, I want the church to just be old people or all young people. He never gives that distinguisher. He says, you are my children. I am your God. And so we gather all universally through Jesus Christ. And so there are cases where people will see that there is a need for some unique churches. For example, immigrant churches need to exist because they haven't, they just came, they can't speak the language yet. So they, there's a church that gathers for that. And also, if you go to Idaho, Iowa, Minnesota, in the rural suburbs where there's a population of 50, you'll need a church, and geographically, there's isolation. But in a perfect world, the church of all places should be the place where there is no racism, ageism, genderism. There, there is this incredible harmony. And so this is what Paul writes in Ephesians 4, and it says, there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. What is this saying? This, say, this is saying because of Jesus, there is no longer classism or separation. There is no longer people who are more important than others. That Jesus Christ has obliterated the caste system. That he is the one that has broken through the gender gap. And so this is a beautiful day where World Communion Sunday is celebrated. But according to a recent study, the American church or churches in America is still very segregated. Even in progressive denominations like ours, the churches in PCUSA, almost super majority, are very monoculture. They're, they're all white, all Korean, all black. And there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself, but here's the problem. We live in this comfort zone. And that comfort zone keeps us from being the people of God and doing what God calls us to do because we like people that smell like us, think like us, eat like us. And so why do we do this? Because our hearts long for this weird selfishness that we want what's comfortable convenient and so um, we have this propensity in all of us because of sin nature and I'm going to be the first to admit there is prejudice in all of our hearts it's human nature it is sin nature a lot of us say oh, I'm not racist you know oh yeah that's really bad but I'm not racist 
And so let me give you an example. Uh, as an Asian, this is what racism looks like. Um, let's say a Korean uh, American, he's born in Oklahoma. He goes to college, and this is what happens to him. Hey, what's your name? George. Oh, where are you from, George? Oklahoma. This is the question. No, where are you really from? Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. Because the reason why that's racist is what most majority don't see is we don't go to a white person unless you're native Indian and say, hey, where are you from? Indiana. Oh, great. Where are you really from? Were you from Europe? Were you from South? We don't say that. And so there is this kind of subconscious fixated classism in us and Koreans do the same thing. I shared this story before, but when I was five, my aunt told me when we came to America, don't talk to black people. They're all bad. Quote, unquote. Can you imagine telling a five-year-old who's come to a new country and they make a blanket statement like that? And this is a deacon of a church. This is someone who, who's, who's been very active in church. And so this is the propensity in our hearts that we all have this inkling of prejudice, whether we like it or not. And so what World Coming Sunday does is kind of it brings us together. Um, how could Christians who believe in Jesus be prejudiced? Um, how, could, how, could we, how could we have this kind of heart if we believe in Jesus Christ? And there are many reasons, but let me give two theological reasons why we got here. Why are churches today in 21st century still segregated and we like the comfort of just being by our own races? Two theological reasons. There's many reasons I'll share two. First, we have succeeded in making Christianity about my individual blessing rather than God's glory. Let me say that again. We have succeeded in making the church about my individual blessing rather than God's ultimate glory. In other words, this is how we talk. God, bless my nation, my family, my life. Bless my church, my, 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 my. As opposed to, God, this is your nation. God, this is your life. God, this is your family. We have reversed it and said, this is my church. Don't you come into my church and change my church. We've succeeded in making Christianity about individual blessings. So we go to church when there's a crisis, but when life is good and we're making the big bucks, we don't need God. And so this theology is kicked in, and so we, it, they're mutually exclusive. God calls us to servanthood, but we go to church as if this is about me. It has never been about you. It has always been before time about God. And so the second problem is, in the recent century, uh, this is actually a phenomenon from the past century, we have made Christianity primarily about just going to heaven, nothing else. So there are harvest crusades, there's crusades where they're like, hey, there's sin, you're, you'll die in your sin unless you have a savior, Jesus Christ. And I, this is the good news, but if you don't want to go to hell, believe in Jesus, say this prayer, and you go to heaven. That's actually good. That's good. But we have made it only about going to heaven. If you look at the Bible, there's a lot more, and I'll share with you, for example, one. All of the Bible, this is true, um, that 
The point of Christianity, the point of Genesis to Revelation is this one story. You ready for this? It's the, this is the whole Bible in one sentence. God wants to be glorified and he wants us to be part of his family. That's it. Westminster Catechism, what is the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. It is with God. But we made heaven about when I go to heaven, I'm going to see Billy and George and, and Fran, and it's going to be beautiful. We're going to be golfing and fishing. That's going to be beautiful heaven. No, <laughs> heaven's beautiful. They are there if they're in Christ, but it's beautiful because God is so beautiful. And we don't need the sun because he's the light. And so life together with God and one another is the basic point of Christianity. God himself is the treasure. And so look at Revelation 21, verse 3. This is at the end of the time. Behold, the dwelling place of God is, can you read that? He will dwell, and they will be his people, and God himself will be as their God. What is the point of heaven? With God. And as a result of God being there, there is no more crying, pain, death, sorrow. That's the, that's the side effect of having God. So in other words, this is, if, if you love church, but you don't love God, you, you better get used to it if you want to be in heaven because heaven is filled with the glory of God. And so this is the point of our life. And so today, we have made everything about just going to heaven. So if we do that, I don't have to treat my neighbors or care for other people. As long as I'm blessed and I'm going to heaven, I don't really care about you. I'm fine. Why do I need to serve at church? Why do I need to go to church? I'm going to go to heaven anyway. But I, I know they're doing a lot, but I'm really busy with my business, my family. I can't go to teach Bible study. This is, heaven is all that we need to know. And so today we hear that as long as I'm okay with God, uh, I'm okay with one another. I'm okay with, I'm fine. Um, you know how dangerous this thought is? Um, let me show you. In August of 1619, 400 years ago, we just celebrated a 400th anniversary. Do you know what happened in August of 1619? No one knows? It's a big celebration. Sarcasm there. It was the year that for the first time, the North American continent received slaves from Africa 400 years ago. 400 years ago, ships came in with people chained as animals. They're not. And most of the slave traders were self-professed Christians. You could go up to even the 19th century, a lot of the slave owners were Christians. And eventually, it was Christians who recognized this is not right. And the Christians finally fought to bring independence and freedom from slavery. But it was Christians. And so this is a statement that 400 years later, we still have a long way to go. That the church, we're still segregated. We're still divided. When we have one Lord, one Jesus, one baptism, and so, World Communion Sunday um, brings us together to 
say, hey, Christ is the head of this church. Jesus Christ welcomes all people, and together we could sit together. We could bear with one another, and we could glorify God as one. Because Jesus Christ brought reconciliation to us with God, and because we have peace with God, we can also have peace with one another. In fact, we hear that in church. Because we have peace with God, we have peace with one another, so please take this time to pass the peace of Christ. That's what the passing of the peace is. I don't have a problem with you. Through God's grace, I have grace for you and one another. And so, here's the good news. God's purpose today is still the gathering of all people as one in Christ. Someone say amen. One more time. Today, God's purpose is still to gather all people around the world as one family in Jesus Christ. And the church said, this is why we do what we do. That God has given us a kingdom that starts flourishing now, and you and I are this family. And so I want to go to today's text. And uh, in Genesis chapter 9, it starts with this before we get to Abraham's call. And humanity is funny. Uh, Parents, you know this. When you tell a little child, don't touch the red bucket, what do the kids do? They touch a red bucket. Well, look at this. Right before God's call to Abraham, God said, bless Noah and his sons, and he said to them, what? Read it together. Be full and multiply and fill the earth. What do people do two chapters later? So the people came together and they said, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves. Look at that. Lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. God says, fill the earth and scatter. They said, nope, we're staying right here and we're going to just be lovey-dovey together. And so the brilliance of God, it's it's so funny. Um, He mixes up their language And the brilliance of that language is what happens when you go to a room full of people speaking different languages and you find someone that speaks your language. You start clumping together. This is how the nations formed and they started moving and living together. And this is how Bible shows us the nations were made. So we have sin dividing the people. They they would not listen to God. If they filled the whole earth, it would have been great. And so instead of that, God made a plan to bring us back together eventually, and his plan was through Abram. And so God made a covenant with Abraham, and a covenant is simply this. You and I go into an agreement. Here's the promise. Here's the curse. And this is Abraham's curse, uh, Abraham's blessing. Abraham's side of the covenant was, God tells him, go from your country and your kindred, your father's house, to the land that I will show you. Abraham's side of the covenant was, get up, go, and trust me. That was Abraham's part. It's a step of faith. This is why Paul says in Romans, when Abraham got up and left, he didn't just know, he believed God. So faith is an action that follows through on what you believe. Abraham went, and this is God's side in verse 2, and I will make of you a great nation. That's God's side of the covenant. God is saying there are a lot of nations out there. I'm going to make you a great nation. This is God unrolling a plan. He's saying there are many gods out there. Today, there are many gods out there, but God is saying, I want to build one nation. Now, true or false, are there truly other gods? Trick question. What do you say? 
Say, talk to your neighbor. Are there truly other gods? No. But people worshipped other things and made them gods. So God is saying, I want you to know there is only one true God and Abram. I'm going to build a nation. Through you, the world will know the one true God. And so this is a plan, and God's promise is this. I will bless you and make you into a great name great so that you will be a blessing. I love that. Why does God bless you? Why did God bless Caleb with a bag of Twix? So that we can be a blessing. Can you see that part? I will bless you, Abram, and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And this is what he wraps up with. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Can we read that together? And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Just, just as a side there, can you imagine saying in our church, we only want young people. Just in this context, in our church, can you, in our church, we only want old people because we're mature and children really, they make noise and they're kind of dirty. Can you imagine a time, colored people, you go to your church, and you can start your Baptist church. This is only for the whites. And Asian churches, hey, we welcome all people, but you make kimchi, white people ain't going to come. And so this is our ability to realize God has called all people together, and we have to be mindful of one another to realize God is calling a church to be filled with all peoples of the earth. But we do a great job of keeping it segregated as much as we can. Why? Comfort zones. And so in all this family, God's plan is to bless all the people. And later on, God would elaborate by saying this, Genesis 15, 5 and 6, and he brought him outside and said, oh, I lost the place. And I'm going to jump down. <laughs> and he said, look toward the heaven and stars so that you will see a number and then he said, so shall your offerings be as a number of stars in the sky. So I want to ask you a question. Uh, youth group kids, you study this. How many stars are in our Milky Way galaxy? Can you just call out a number? A trillion? Don't Google it. You can't cheat. How many stars are in the Milky Way galaxy? One trillion. One trillion, trillion? This side? Wow, you guys. That's... That's actually not bad. Uh, 200 to 400 billion stars are in our Milky Way, our stars are in our galaxy. One galaxy. Now, you know what these are? These are galaxies. Do you know how many estimated galaxies are in the universe? They say it's between 200 billion and 2 trillion galaxies each with two to 400 billion stars. I think God was using a hyperbole <laughs> when he said, Adam, I mean, Abraham, look at the stars in the sky. As many as stars as you can see, you will have that many children. What is God saying? God knew Abraham and his descendants will be a lot, but not physical descendants, God was saying, I'm going to fill the whole earth with your spiritual descendants. In other words, in Genesis 12, God already knew 
his family, the church, the kingdom, would be built between all the nations that have been scattered. And this is the beauty of God, that he is calling the church to be a model of this beautiful thing called family. And because Abraham believed God, um, and he called out to God, uh, and Abraham followed God, Jesus came into Abraham's lineage, and this is what Apostle Paul writes in Galatians 3. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Do you remember that promise? Covenant has a vow, it has a promise, and it has a curse. And Jesus Christ took on that curse and became the blessing at the same time so that it says, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, verse 14, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. In other words, this blows my mind. Um, How many of you realized that Abraham's blessing has blessed you, or you are the fruit of Abraham's covenant with God. In other words, raise your hand if Abraham's faithfulness has blessed you. This is what it's saying. Because of Abraham, we have become children of Abraham through Jesus Christ. And now we have a family that is as numerous as the stars in the sky. It's not for the Jews, it's for us. Uh, what's interesting here is this. Um, when we say there are so many stars in the galaxy, that's, there's so much to count. Would you say there are so many stars, I can't count them all? Well, this is what it says in Revelation 7-9. Can we read it quietly? fascinating the way heaven is described is the way we would see the stars there's so many to count and the way john describes it is and look behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and people and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb of god the kingdom is not a people gathering group by geography or by nationality. We are a family grouped together by Jesus Christ. You and I are brothers and sisters if you are in Jesus Christ. Therefore, in the church, there is no segregation. There is no division. And when there is that, we overcome it in Jesus Christ. This is why we come to the table every month to say, I am not standing here by my merit, but by the grace of Jesus Christ. This is why we do this monthly. And so we are blessed because Abraham uh, followed God. And so the calling for us to be a church like this. I want to end with a couple of months, weeks ago, I, went, I took my son to the Dodgers game to root for the Yankees. Pray for the Yankees, please. And Yankee fans and Dodgers fans were cursing at each other. They were like, boo, you stink. And and so it was funny. It was a good game, and, and they just were not getting along. And then on eighth inning, I, I witnessed something that I said, oh, my goodness, this is church. 
This is what happened. You ready for this? What, 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 how many, have any of you seen a wave? Okay, can, can you just, when I point at you, can you just raise your hand and we'll do a wave in here. Ready, ready, go. Okay, okay, that, that was fun, that was fun. We did the wave in church. The whole Dodger Stadium started doing the wave. First time it ended halfway, second time it ended like three quarters, and third time it went all the way around and people were like, yeah! Dodgers fans were high-fiving Yankees fans. Young and old people were like, yeah! And I was like, oh my goodness, this is church. This is a glimpse of church. That one day there is ultimate peace because we think less about ourselves and more about something outside of us. And it's not the wave we worship. It is Jesus Christ. That's the key to harmony. That I die to myself. That I see my brothers and sisters who I disagree with or may not look like me. But in Christ, we find this harmony together. And so... There's an author who said that in this day and age, basically, the world in racial tension needs to see a model of a place that can show love and harmony. And he said the best place to do it is right here. The church mixed together. And so I want to end with this. Uh, remember I told you we're going to do the greeting at the end? And so the greeting I want to do today is this. Um, would you just take a moment? This is part of the sermon. And just in a moment, I'm going to ask you to just turn to someone next to you, greet one another. And after you greet one another, I'm going to ask you to do another thing after. But would you do that for now? Just take a moment, look around now, and especially if someone doesn't look the same as you, just go up to someone and just greet them right now. Just say hello. And if somebody's sitting alone, sit next to them. And, and what I want us to do is, I know this is awkward, and you don't have to do it, but if you could just, just touch someone next to you, elbow or shoulder, you don't have to hold hands, especially if someone that looks different from you. And here's what I want to do as a church, as an American church, as a church gathered with different cultures here. I want to repent first. Say, God... You know, I have prejudice and propensity for prejudice in my heart. And the world is fractured. America, we don't have to go to the world. Within America, we're fractured. And God, we want to pray for another for your true harmony and forgiveness. We want to pray for a harmony to start out from the church, from our own hatred of whatever people we have. And I just want us to just go into a time together where you could pray for another. 여러분들 우리 옆에 있는 사람들 그냥 손 잡고 우리 서로 기도하겠습니다. 그래서 이 시간에 따, 다른 사람들 어, 있으면요. 그 사람들을 위해서 기도해주고 미국 사람들을 위해서 기도하고 한국 사람들을 위해서 기도하고 And at this time, I just want us to just say, God, let this glimpse of the kingdom be better than a wave at Dodger Stadium. May we exhibit the harmony that comes from your body broken for us and your blood shed for us. As we are the children of Abraham, be exalted and may we be a visual blessing to the world 
of what harmony looks like. Would you join me? Just pray for one another right now. And just, let's just repent and say, God, bring us one and bring us together in this country and in this world. before we take this communion, we want to lift these prayers up that God, we're not going to listen to the news. We want to model it from my own heart first. And if there's this kind of sin in my heart, forgive me. And I forgive others. And where there's forgiveness, hatred is just destroyed. Where there's Christ's harmony and his resurrection hope, there is no room for this kind of division. For we are one body in one baptism under one Lord Jesus Christ. God, we haven't figured it out, and we may not until you come back, but Lord, we confess to you, it's hard when we go by our guts and just our own comfort zones. We confess that as we are being sanctified, our hearts are still divided and prejudiced, or we hold grudges, and we have stereotypes of one another, and yet you give us your son, Jesus, and it he shatters all these classes, that he, he is the one who took the curse upon himself so that we may be the children of Abraham, that we may be your children. And so before we come to this table as one, uh, we pray, God, that we would be a blessing to all people, not just the people we like, not just to the people we prefer, not to the people that's convenient, but God, that we would step out of our comfort zones in your name to be a blessing to L.A., California, U.S., and the world. And on this day where millions are gathered around this table, we declare we are one in you. We thank you for your mighty mercy and grace. Fill us now with you and help our eyes to be fixed on you as our King. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.